You know, we romanticize this idea of forever. You know, we like to think that things will, will last forever. So back when the internet was just becoming a thing, we used to, some of you are too young to remember this, uh, we, we used to like subscribe to a service to provide you internet. And so it would be like America Online and all these companies that you would, you would subscribe to and pay so much per month. And then you would dial in. You know, and you couldn't like be on the phone and be on the computer at the same time so that you, you know, had to dial in for a few minutes and check your email and you would disconnect so you could talk on the phone again. That was back in the days when people still talked on the phone also. But so there were all these services that were provided and Net Zero was a company that came along and they had as their tagline, free internet forever. I don't know if you remember this. Like, I, I loved that because I'm really cheap. And so I was like, why would I pay America Online $5 a month or $12 a month or whatever when I can have it free? And all I have to put up with is these ads running across my screen. And so it was free internet forever, but alas, here we are today, you know, whatever, 20 years later, and net zero still exists and they still provide internet, but it ain't free. So it's not free forever. When I was... See, people promise things forever, but very few things deliver. So several weeks ago, I was, I was working on this, this message, and I was at a coffee shop, and I looked out the window, and there was a license plate, a personalized license plate on a card that had this on it, uh, forever LBI. And so apparently, someone who loves Long Beach Island, and maybe they love going back there year after year after year, they have their favorite vacation spot. And I get that. I get, like, wanting vacation to last forever. Okay, any amens to that, right? We, we, we like, like our family has some spots that we like to go back to year after year. And I wish vacation could last forever because I love how I feel when I'm on vacation. You know, I, I, no deadlines and no bills to have to pay and just eat whatever you want, sleep in. Also, I mean, I wish vacation could go on forever, but alas, it can't. And here we are. There's not, there's not very many things in the world that go on forever. We sometimes like to think that this life goes on forever. And so, you know, we, we treat it like, okay, you know, I'm gonna invest all this time, I'm gonna invest all this energy in my education or in my house or my belongings and, and whatever. And, you know, we, we know life does not. Then we get reminded that life does not last forever. So just this week, we had a funeral. We hosted a funeral here at the church for a dear, sweet lady who was part of the church family for many, many years before she had to go into assisted living. And so her, her life came to an end on this earth, and now she is with, with the Lord. And as we come into this holiday season, I know many of us are reminded of people that we love that are not able to celebrate with us. And we're, we're faced with our mortality. And when we're faced, when we have to come face to face with our mortality, when we're honest, we, we, some questions kind of ring around in the back of our minds like, what, well, what is next? What does come after this life? I mean, what is forever like? And one of the answers that we like to give to that question, especially in, in church world, is we like to say, well, forever is like heaven. And then we have to ask the question, well, what is heaven like? 
And a lot of people have spent a lot more time watching It's a Wonderful Life than they have reading the Bible. And so when they answer the question, what is heaven like? They say, well, we're, we're gonna become angels. That's what happens when you die. You, you become an angel like Clarence. Remember if you've seen It's a Wonderful Life, you become an angel, you earn your wings, you get your wings, and then you sit around on a cloud playing a harp forever. Doesn't that sound exciting? No, be honest, it sounds awful. It's, it sounds like punishment instead of, you know, some kind of reward. I mean, that's, that's not what we want to do forever. So if you think that sounds awful like I do, then you, there's good news, and that is that's not what the Bible teaches us. I mean, the Bible doesn't teach that we're going to be playing harps all the time. We might play them once in a while because harps are mentioned in Revelation, but we're not going to be playing them all the time. We're not going to become angels. And here, th- this may blow your circuits, okay? We're, we're not going to be in heaven, Okay, that's not our final destination. We're actually going to see what our final destination is today. But really, quite honestly, it doesn't really matter the where of where we're going to be. That's not really the point. And the what we're going to be doing is not even so much the point. There, there's actually a whole, there, there's a whole other thing for us to look at that is going to be in forever that makes us look forward to forever and actually gives us a perspective on how we live Today We're going to see that this morning as we turn one more time to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 20. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's one on a seat close to you. Or you can look it up on your device. We are finishing this series on, on Revelation. And some of you, at least, I know are excited that we are finishing this series. I know one person for sure, a sweet lady in our small group, who from the first week, like when we got together on Sunday night, she's like, I can't believe we're doing Revelation. She's like, I, I, she was ready for it to be done from, from the very beginning. And I have, I, I have good news for you. The sermon series is done today, but we have one more week in our small group on, on Revelation. So you'll have to put up with that. So, um, but I understand why some people would not want to spend a lot of time in Revelation. It is very heavy. It, it's, it's heavy material. Some of it is very hard to understand. But as we end today, we're going to end on a really positive, happy note, a joyful note, because we're going to look at what we have to look forward to in forever. But before we get to forever, we have one last stop before we get to forever, and that is final judgment. And so let's read uh, starting in verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So through the book of Revelation, we have seen these cycles of judgment. 
The, the judgments of Revelation began in chapter two with the judgment of the churches. Jesus told the churches where they were falling short. And then we moved from there into the judgment of humanity. And we went into these three cycles of seven judgments each, where all of humanity and their, their poor response to the God who created them, where that landed them. And God was judging and cleansing them. Then we went into the, the judgment of Babylon and the world system, the culture that we, the air that we breathe, that is all about self. It's about self-made religion. It's about self-serving commerce. And so God judges that culture that, that we live in on a really broad scale. Then last week, we saw the judgment of the Antichrist and the beast. And finally, the judgment of Satan himself, the, the originator of all evil in the world. And then today what we get to is the judgment of individuals. We had the judgment of humanity as a whole before. Now we're coming down to the judgment of individuals and each soul. And what we see here is that's going to happen as we are judged by what is written in these books. It talks about all of these books that are going to be opened. And as it, it, the indication is that in the mind of God, he is keeping track of your deeds and my deeds, and he's, it's all being written down in a book. And when we stand before God one day, these books will be opened and he will judge us based on what is in those books. And the bad news for, for you and I is if we are judged based on what we have done, what our deeds are, the, the judgment will be guilty, because there is no person who has been able to live a life except for one, Jesus. There's no one who has lived a life. We, we may do some good things in the course of our life, and I hope you do. I hope you do a lot of good things uh, for God to get the glory from, from that. But no matter how many good things we do, we have fallen short of God's standard for us. And so when those books are opened and we are judged according to what we have done, we will fall short. And it says the destination will be that the lake of fire, a lake of fire that was not intended for us, a lake of fire that was created for the devil and his angels and his followers, but God will throw us into that. It says, if your name is not written in the book of life. And so the, this lake of fire is an eternal conscious punishment, horrific idea not one that we talk about a lot or want to think about a lot, but what we see here in this final judgment as we stand before this supreme court, this supreme, supreme court, there is no appeal beyond this. What we see is that we will all give an account for how we have lived this life. Hebrews chapter nine says, it's appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment. After that doesn't come a chance to do it over. It doesn't say after that comes rebirth and reincarnation. It doesn't say after that comes purgatory. It says after that comes judgment. We get one chance, but there are two destinations possible. One of the destinations is the lake of fire if we are judged according to what we have done. There's another destination possible, and that is if our name is written in a different book, the book of life. That's what makes a difference. Um, you and I can't do enough to, so that our deeds would get us into heaven. So there's one possible escape 
from the lake of fire, and that is for our name to be written in the book of life. So how do I get my name written in the book of life? I'm glad you asked that that question. John answers that question for us in his gospel as he quotes Jesus, who says, truly I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. So if you want to escape judgment, if you want to escape the lake of fire, Jesus says to believe. That, that's the answer is how do I get my name written in the book of life? It's not by anything that I accomplish and anything I do. It's by believing and trusting that what Jesus did was adequate and I trust in the fact that he lived a perfect life and that his death was not for him, it was for me. And when I believe that, when I trust, when I put all my eggs in that basket, when I put all my trust in my forever in Christ, that's when my name gets written in the book of life. And that's what allows me to escape the punishment from the deeds that I have done. So, eternal life with Christ. I want to spend the rest of this morning making a case for why you would want to spend the rest of your eternity with Jesus instead of apart from him. And even apart from, even if, even if it wasn't a horrific punishment and a lake of fire and eternal conscious torment, even if it wasn't that, why would you want to spend eternity with Jesus who maybe you don't know very well and maybe you're thinking, I'm not sure if he's so great. We're going to make the case the rest of the time for why you would want to spend eternity with him. Let's start reading in chapter 21. Here's where we find out where we spend eternity. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. So the emphasis here as we, as we enter into this picture of what does forever look like. So, so you get this where forever is not in heaven. Forever is on earth, but it's not going to be an earth that looks just like this. It's going to be earth that's been made new. The first heaven, the first earth have passed away, which that, that Greek verb there means it's ceased to exist. So God's doing away with what was old. He's making a new heaven and a new earth. That's where we're going to be forever and God is going to come to be with us. The emphasis in these last two chapters of the Bible is not about really where we are or what we're doing. It's about who we're going to be with. See, we tend to think in terms of as we think about forever, we tend to think like what what will I do forever? What am I going to be doing forever? I mean, will there be smartphones? Are going to be like heavenly hotspots? I mean, am I going to be able to connect and, you know, talk with people and keep up with my feet? And, I, you know, I mean, what, what will, what, if I don't have that, what will I do for eternity? I mean, this is forever. Like, it's going to go on and on and on. Will there be golf? Will there be food? Will there be sex? I mean, we wonder these things. Don't tell me you haven't wondered about these things. So what are we going to be doing? And yet the emphasis here is not like, 
what we're going to be doing. There's, and, and I find it really interesting that there's just not a lot of detail at all about forever. We, we get two chapters at the very beginning of the Bible about paradise, and we get two chapters at the very end of the scripture about paradise. We don't get a whole lot of detail, but here's what we do know, and here's what we do see, is that God is coming to be with us. We will be, we may not know all of what we're gonna be doing, but we will be with the God who comes to be with us. See, read, read verse three again. I heard this loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. See, it doesn't say the dwelling place of man is with God. This is God coming to be with us. That, that should blow every circuit in, in your mind to think, this is, what kind of God would want to come to be with the likes of me and you? Why, why would he want to come with, with us with all of our mixed motives and all of the, the rebellion that we have? Why would God want to come to, to be with us? See, this says the dwelling of God is come, he is coming to be with us. God does not ask us to get to him. See, that's what every other religion in the world does. Every religion is asking people to try to get themselves to God. So if you'll do these certain things and not do these things, if you'll go to, to this place, if you'll say these words, if you'll pray these prayers, then you'll get yourself to God and the God of Scripture says, you, you can't, we can't get ourselves to God. That's how we end up with books and accounts of our lives that condemn us and say that we are guilty. We can't get ourselves to God, so he comes to us. Trace, trace this with me really, really briefly through the whole way through Scripture and see how God does this over and over and over again. So if we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 through 3 and the first human beings, God creates Adam and Eve, and it says that he came and he walked with them in the cool of the day. And then the first humans blew that, and if you and I had been there, we would have blown it too. And so God, God left that Place, But later on, he came to a man named Abraham, and he said to Abraham, I want you to father a nation because I want this nation to demonstrate what it looks like for people on earth to have a relationship with me, and that nation is Israel. So he came to Abraham, and he said to the people of Israel, I want you to create a tabernacle. I want you to create a place where I can come to dwell on earth. And so they were they were wandering in the wilderness, and so in the middle of their camp, they had this tabernacle that was temporary, and the, and the glory of God came to dwell with them in the middle of their camp, and his glory was so amazing that at times they had to leave because they couldn't, couldn't be around him, but he came to dwell with them. And then later on, they came into the promised land, and they built uh, a permanent temple, and this is where God will dwell. And so then God came, and he filled that temple and then eventually that temple would be destroyed because the people were disobedient. And Jesus came. And interestingly, John says in his gospel, he says, Jesus came and tabernacled among us. He came to dwell among us and to show us what it's like for God to live with people, to live with us. That's what we're celebrating coming into this season of Advent. We're celebrating Jesus' first Advent Sidebar, I, I think it's interesting to think about, like, I wonder if in eternity and forever will we celebrate second advent? 
Well, we have a new holiday. Well, we'll remember the day when it was that Jesus came back. We talked about this last week when Jesus comes on his white horse. We'll have pictures up. We'll put up pictures in our houses of Jesus riding his white horse with his crown. We'll celebrate second advent because that's what finally ended all the cleansing and, and brought us into this new existence. So Jesus came to tabernacle among us temporarily. And then when he went back in his body to now sit at the right hand of God and wait for that day when he's coming back, he sent the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will dwell in you. He will live in you. God is relentless about coming to us. He wants to be with us. And you may not be sure if you want to spend forever with him because maybe you're not sure what he's like and you're, you're thinking, I'm not sure if I want to spend eternity with someone because maybe the picture you have of Jesus is a kind of a scary one. And you're thinking, I don't know if I want to spend eternity with him. I, um, you know, maybe in eternity, you know, God, you're, you're going to want to hang out with, you know, Mother Teresa and, and Billy Graham. You're going to hang out with the, the, the good people. And I'm just going to be over here hoping that he doesn't look at me because he's, if he sees me, he might be like, how'd you get in here? You know? So we're going to kind of hide. We're going to kind of avoid him. And yet, and yet, if we think that, if we think that's the way Jesus is going to be, that's because we don't know him well yet. Because look, look at the kind of God that is coming to live with us. Verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. See, God is, is coming to us as Jesus came. Kind, patient, tenderhearted, loving. Think about, we're, we're in the holiday season, and so we're getting opportunity to spend time with extended family that maybe we don't get to see very often. And so if we're honest, some of those family that we don't get to see very often, we really don't want to see very often. And it's just, it's okay that we see them once a year, every three years or whatever it is. But, I hear, but think about someone in your extended family you just love to spend time with. Who's that person that you look forward to sitting in the corner of your pumpkin pie and catching up with? And you look forward to that because they care about you. They ask you, what, what's happened? Let's catch up. What's been going on in your life? They, they affirm you. you. You just kind of feel this warmth, this love. That, that's the kind of God that's coming to us, the God that wipes our tears away, the God that is bringing restoration. That's who we have to look forward to spending eternity with. I, I don't know what your concept of God is, but the God that we see here is, is beautiful. Verse 5, he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. I, I come to that verse 8, and I'm like... John, what, what is this? I mean, why did you stick this verse in here? I mean, we're, we were just talking about how great forever is going to be. And then you kind of bring us back to, yeah, but don't forget that all these other people are going to be in the, in the lake of fire. 
remember that John is writing this to people in the first century and in the 21st century who are not to forever yet. And John is reminding us there are two possible destinations. And he wants us to choose the destination that includes God coming to live with us. He doesn't want us quite yet to lose sight of the fact that it's possible to choose not to be with God. Verse 9. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues. Aren't we glad that all of that is behind us? That angel came and spoke to me saying, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city of Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. So again, coming down out of heaven. He's coming to us. We will be with the God who comes to be with us. You, you can read the rest of Revelation 21. There's a description of the city. It talks about how it's, it's going to be so beautiful. I mean, there's gold, there's gems, there's all of this beauty. I want to get to chapter 22. Ch- chapter 22, verse 1 says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. So there's this water flowing from the throne of God. See, what, what we see in this picture of, of the city to come is, there's, it says there's no more temple because God and the Lamb are the temple. And so the centerpiece now is the throne, the one who sits on the throne and, and the lamb, that's the centerpiece. Think about this. There's, there's no more temple with walls. There's no more temple with curtains to separate us. He's, God is totally accessible. He's totally there in the center. And all of this life is flowing from, from him. And everything that was lost to us in Genesis is now being restored. In verse two, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. This is such good news because if you remember back to Genesis chapter three, you remember that God, God blocked the ability for the man and woman to get to the tree of life. He said, you can't have access to it anymore. And he did that to protect them because once they had sinned, he said, I don't want you to live forever in the state of, of sin. So he took it away, but now he's giving it back and the tree of life is there with 12 kinds of fruit. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations with the, the nations are really gonna need after all that they have been through these cycles of judgment. Verse three, no longer will there be anything accursed. Remember the curses of Genesis three? Curse on the serpent, curse on the woman, curse on the man, the curse, no longer will there be anything accursed but the throne of God and of the lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. And the angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. 
And then Jesus speaks, behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. So Jesus saying, I'm, I'm coming. I'm, I'm coming to you as I always have throughout all of history. I am coming to be with you. Skip down to verse 10. The angel said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. And Jesus says, behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Do you remember who John is writing to? He's writing to people in the first century who are under severe persecution for, for their faith. And John is saying to them, there's two possible destinations. And he's saying to them and he's saying to you and to me, it is worth holding on to your faith through whatever may come. We, we are called to live our lives for Christ. We may be called to die for Christ. And if that happens, it's worth it, John says. It, it's worth it because the ultimate destination, it, it, whatever pain you may suffer in this very short life is nothing compared to the pain that you will suffer if you reject Christ for eternity. But if you embrace him and live for him and your name is written in the book of life, forever is forever. And it's worth it to hold on to your faith. Verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angels to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. And now verse 17, there's, there's three invitations here. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty Come, let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Three invitations. The first is the, the spirit of God and the bride, the church, all of those who have been redeemed. Say, come, come, Lord Jesus, we're, we're ready. Please, we are ready for you. We're looking forward to you. If you're not looking forward to Jesus coming, you should ask yourself the question, have I really trusted Christ and is my name written in the book of life? Because maybe you don't know Jesus well enough to look forward to him. And that's your assignment now is to get to know him. Because if you know him, you're going to look forward to him coming. The second invitation is let the one who hears say come. So let those who are on the fence, let those of us who are in the process of making a decision. We're not part of the bride yet, but but we're facing these two destinations. Let them say, come, come, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart first. Come into my life. And then come and, and put this world back together. And then the third invitation, let, let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. That's the invitation to those who have not yet trusted Christ. Come and take the water of life. The, the kind of God who comes to live with us, that we get to spend eternity with is the kind of God who offers us the water of life freely 
without price. That's the kind of love and grace and kindness that he has toward us. And then John ends with a, one last solemn warning here in verse 18. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. That's it. The end. The grace, and it ends with grace. (laughs) Appropriate that the words of Scripture should end with grace. Because that's what, what grace is all about, is a God who comes after us over and over again, even though we don't deserve it. <laughs> that is the definition of grace, is getting something that we don't deserve. So you and I can try to earn our way. We can try to get our deeds written into a book and hope that they're good enough. They won't be. We, we already know that. We, we, we know how this turns out, and we know what, what those books lead to. We need our book written in the book of Life. We need our names written in the book of life. That's it. That's the end of Revelation. And as we think about forever, we set our place, we set our hope not on a place, but on a person. So if you remember back to the very opening words of the book of Revelation, it said this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. A revelation from Jesus, a revelation about Jesus. Jesus. And so what we see in the scriptures is a picture of of Jesus who comes to us, who cleanses us, who loves us, cares for us, who he wants to spend eternity with, with us. So for those of us who have already trusted him, who have already put our faith in him and our names are written in the book of life, what, what this should do for us is to help us release our hold and our fascination with the things of this life. We just, just, we let go of it. We let go of the worries. We let go of the, the worries we have about money, the, the things that we hold on to, even the concerns that we have about uh, our health and our medical issues. I mean, th- those are real, but those are so temporary and those are not to be consuming for us. When we set our minds on forever and we know how God is gonna wipe every tear away and he's gonna make his place and his dwelling with us, it makes the things of earth grow strangely dim. They just fade away. And for those who have not yet trusted Christ, those, of, those who are not sure yet, I'm not sure if I want to spend eternity with Jesus, your, your assignment is to, to get to know Jesus because once you get to know him, you will want to spend eternity with him. There are two possible destinations. John's made that really, really clear for us. Why wouldn't you want to spend forever with the one who wants to spend eternity with you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the picture you have given us of what is to come. Some of it is very sobering. 
and very scary and should shake us out of complacency in, in this world. And this, this world is not all there is. In fact, it's such a small bit of what there is. Eternity and forever is, will go on forever. And so, Lord, I pray that you would stir in every heart in this room. Lord, those of us who, who know you, those of us who have made a decision to, to follow you and to trust you for salvation so that our names are written in the book of life. Lord, release our grip, release our hold, our fixation on the things of, of this world and help us to set our minds and our hearts on you and the world that is to come so that we live our lives here by faith and sharing our faith with those around us who do not yet know because we don't want them to have the destination living apart from you. And Lord, I pray for the person who's here this morning who doesn't know yet. They're not sure what their forever looks like. Lord, I pray you would stir in that heart and draw them to the beauty of Christ, the beauty of his grace, the beauty of his love that would come time after time after time after time to be with us so that we can spend eternity with him. I pray you'd stir in that heart this morning and give them the courage to, to reach out, to ask for help. How do I know this Jesus? How do, I, how do I follow him? I wanna know more. Lord, I pray you give them the courage to do that this morning. Lord, we thank you for your grace toward us and we do say amen. Come, Lord Jesus, amen.